0: welcome back to crowning around a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions in film and television my name is sam chung and i'm so excited to be back after a little bit of a break uh but i'm excited to get back into the swing of things visiting our familiar home in netflix's award-winning series the crown so today we're going to dive straight into the crown season four episode one entitled gold stick We have a lot to break down and not much time to do so, so let's get right into it. As always, joining me to break down this episode are my two co-hosts. First, uh, a husband who's very familiar with not getting in the way. It's Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, first, how was your hiatus, and are you looking forward to getting back into The Crown?
1: Uh, Good and yes. Good.
0: Good. Uh, also back with us today. Thanks for giving me an easy one. <laughs> of course. I mean, we gotta we gotta work our way back into it. They'll get progressively harder as as the season goes on. Uh, also back with us today, a woman who has herself left five hundred pages of instructions for her funeral. It's Carlin Greenwald. Carlin, what's more work? writing a five hundred page novel or five hundred page funeral instructions.
2: Um, I'm gonna go with the funeral instructions because then you're kind of weighed down with the uh, existential like end of your life. <laughs> Which I think would make the writing harder. Yeah. And I don't know if I can fill five hundred pages with that much stuff, like okay. <laughs> come to the funeral. Yeah.
1: As 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 Danny DeVito said in It's Always Sunny, when I'm dead, just throw me in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Carlin, how there
2: you go.
0: How has your podcast hiatus been?
2: Uh, it's it's been good. Uh, I don't remember when we stopped. <laughs> or what's been happening in between that time period. We don't exist um, between recordings. That time isn't real. Yeah. But, yeah. Time good, just pauses
0: until we resume again.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It never goes off my calendar. Like, it always says Crown, like, recording on every Sunday at, like, 1130 because I just don't want to delete them and then I have to re-put them on. Oh, so you put this nonsense week. in your calendar? Yeah, it's, it's in my calendar every single Sunday. It's in Sunday, my calendar, too. Always, like... <laughs> Yeah, is it not in your calendar? No. You just remember to show up. See, I would forget to show up. So I need to I need to do the calendar.
1: I'm just so underscheduled in my social life that it's easy (laughs) for me to mentally keep track of anything I have to do.
2: Okay, Ivan.
1: Yeah. Um all right. Well as always Not to brag.
0: As always, just want to disclaim off the top. If you came here for any sort of factual clarity about the crown or about the royal family, you've come to the wrong place because we don't know and we don't want to look it up. So we're just going to pretend that everything we saw in this episode is 100% factually accurate. Um, In this episode, we got a little bit... uh, It was a weird experience because the last thing that we watched was Whatever Love Means, which also kind of touched upon some of the things that we saw in this episode and it did corroborate some of what we saw a little bit but i think we can dive more into the specifics of what we saw between the two kind of as we go through the episode
1: the beauty of this hiatus is that movie is like long gone in my memory
2: (laughs) i think i still remember parts of it
0: this episode at the end of it made me think something that i never thought i would think and that was do i need to check out whatever love means again but then i just pushed that away (laughs)
2: yeah no that's whoa
1: let's come back to that later because i'm very (laughs) curious about what made you think that yeah um
0: all right but i think before we dive too deep in uh carlin could you please give us just a quick recap of what we saw here in the crown 401 Gold stick.
2: Okay, it, it, this is a long paragraph. A lot of happened. I'm going to try to be quick about it. So basically, we start off with a voiceover um, about like the Irish, I believe it's the Irish Republicans, um, their displeasure with the crown and sort of their crown's involvement with against the Irish push for independence against English occupation. It's kind of something that we haven't really touched base upon. It's sort of more of a for the people movement when the show is so much more focused on royalty. So it's actually a really interesting sort of point of view to start getting basically the IRA um, are saying they're going to be start taking more drastic action against the crown and England in general, and they specifically say they're going to spill blood. And then we move on to the crown, and the family members just having lunch, except apparently now Charles doesn't have lunch, and uh, they're chatting about Charles being in his bachelor phase, and Elizabeth's starting to get kind of concerned. He's, he's pushing 30, and he hasn't found a wife yet, and he, he seems to just be uh, dating around... And they're kind of aware that Camilla is apparently still lurking in the background, and uh, they they need to get this this uh, this horse this train on track. And the newest person is Sarah Spencer, who is uh, she's from a rich family somewhere. She's a uh, she's in good standing, and so basically we see Charles go over to the Spencer estate where he meets a teenage Diana, who was told to stay out of sight, but still kind of claimed she had to like change rooms and they had a little discussion and it intrigued Charles, but he still goes on his date with Sarah, all that sort of happening. And then at Downing Street, Margaret Thatcher is elected as the first female prime minister. She is conservative. And during the first meeting with Liz and Thatcher, we sort of get the idea that Margaret Thatcher wants to completely change the government. And she doesn't think women are fit for office, which is all right, Margaret, if that's a... I guess we have to call her Thatcher because there's now two Margarets. Thatcher, all right, Thatcher, that's what you're going to be doing. That's cool. Um, and then Anne is uh, having problems with her husband. And it's the point where she was going to drop out of the Horse Olympics uh, riding. I'm going to call it the Horse Olympics because she doesn't think she has the confidence to do it anymore. But Phillip's like, no, no. You're a great writer. We're very proud of you. And he gives a very nice pep talk that he never gives Charles. Oh, Dicky and Charles have an argument while Charles is fishing in Iceland. He's basically like, "You gotta stop seeing Camilla." Like, and Charles is like, "You don't care about my happiness." And then they hang up. And then <laughs> Dicky gets on a boat and gets blown up by the IRA. So, guess that won't get resolved. And basically, Charles gets a letter from Dickie post-mortem. And Dickie is like, you're such a disappointment to this family. You need to do your duty and find a proper wife. And it hits at just the right moment that Charles is like, oh, no, he might be right. And then funeral happens. Before that, though, Philip gets mad at Charles because Dickie wanted Philip to do the big wanted Charles to do the big reading. And he's like, Dickie replaced me with you and he was like really butthurt about it so Charles is just having a really bad time but then lo and behold after Anne actually does go through with the horse olympics and does really well and qualifies will that storyline ever come up again who knows (laughs) basically Diana comes back and she's like Charles I saw you look so sad at the funeral and it's (laughs) I'm so sorry and like apparently this is the first time Charles has ever heard anything nice said to him and so he's like oh I see you." Meanwhile, Thatcher um, declares war on the IRA, whatever that happened. And then Charles calls Sarah Spencer, his now ex, and is like, tell me about your little sister. And Sarah tries to like turn him off, but it doesn't work. And then he asks Diana out and that's it.
0: All right. Thank you, Carlin. Um, Yeah. So RIP to Dickie. For The Crown, a wrap on The Crown, I did look up the episode in Wikipedia and it did spoil me that Dickie will not be making a return, at least through season four. Maybe he'll come back for the new season in some sort of flashback in season five. But as far as season four is concerned, no I more Dickie. Were,
2: I thought you were like, oh, is he going to come back to life? Like, I, I don't think that's going to happen. No,
0: I <laughs> No, but I did see that this is the episode for which Charles Dance was nominated for a primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actor. Um, I don't think he won.
2: Oh, well, I think it was pretty good. I'll the crown wins a lot, though.
0: Well, speaking of, this was also the episode in which Tobias Menzies was nominated for Best Outstanding uh, Supporting Actor in a Drama Series, and he won. Was this an award-winning episode for Tobias Menzies?
1: Uh, I mean, that's a good question, because I feel like we've seen... Tobias Menzies, like, deliver, like, much meatier performances than this one, like, especially throughout last season. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, love the guy, but, like, was this, like, his his uh, crowning moment? I, I, I don't know. Who's to say?
2: I, it reminded me of old Philip, which I thought was interesting. Like, when actors layer on, like, the nuance of, like, performances we've seen before into, like, new context, because it definitely felt like his, like, inner child slash inner like seasons one and two coming out and like he like the culmination of all that he finally just like blows up at Charles but like in a really like muted way which is interesting I don't know I thought it was an interesting performance but I do think you're also right like he had a lot right yeah he had like a whole space episode last season
1: he did stuff with his mom yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: no it was super interesting for for Philip how like self-aware he was even though he was like clearly drunk But I think he's always kind of had this like introspective side to him where it's like he can analyze himself, but he's not fully aware of like how to process those things. But regardless, this is not a Philip episode. This episode is all about our new friend Charles, um, who I think we saw a couple- New friend,
2: we've seen him for like
0: half a season. we We saw it for half a season, but I think only like two of the episodes last season were really like Charles episodes. So it's interesting that season four is like, I felt like it was very much like Charles and like this is now kind of where the crown is going. And I felt like he was kind of the primary person and Elizabeth kind of took a back seat in this premiere, which was interesting. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, she yeah, that's a good point.
2: almost did nothing. I mean, I guess she had her little time with Thatcher, but that didn't feel like it was being set up for something huge.
1: No, you, you want to talk about somebody who did nothing. I think like Margaret was in at least three oh or four God. shots and she didn't have a single line in this episode.
2: I know. She was just like the shot where she was asleep with the queen mother. And it's just like, here's
0: the irrelevant car. All three of those cars were hilarious.
1: I was going to say, like, I actually think like this episode... Uh, I mean, more than most, I think did a really, really good job balancing an ensemble cast. Like, I feel like we got a little bit of everyone in this episode with the notable exception of Margaret, who yeah. they reminded us existed several times, but gave her nothing to do. Like, even her being off screen would have had more of an impact. Yeah, true. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no. um,
0: That's kind of how they treated Margaret last season, too. You have Helena Bottom Carter. <laughs> what are you doing? Peter Morgan.
1: Well, we got a Margaret centric finale. Like, keep in mind, like if you're if you're binging the show and you're going straight from season three to four, you're going from like uh, Margaret and Roddy, I think it is, to <laughs> to this, uh, which is like, I mean, it, like just might as well be an entirely different show. Very
0: true. All right, so I have up on my screen, side by side, my notes from Whatever Love Means and my notes from The Crown <laughs> four hundred one, and. We, there's some overlap. Like I said, uh, I think, was Whatever Love Means really kind of like... I guess not, because we watched that movie that was kind of like all about Margaret. Um, and we don't really like to do this, uh, watch kind of secondary content that surpasses kind of the place we are in time in The Crown. But we did this for Whatever Love Means. And so it was interesting to see what was the same and what was different. Obviously, Whatever Love Means kind of contextualized everything, within the relationship of Charles and Camilla and we didn't see Camilla at all in this episode of the crown did we miss her did she need to be here i think
2: what it does is it made me it's like charles's last hurrah to be actually likable and like <laughs> able to be rooted for because you don't have that like there's no physical reminder of us that charles is literally like sleeping with another like you know sleeping with a married woman like They do mention like oh you orchestrated this marriage but like ultimately people still have the idea that like camilla did agree to this marriage and is having an affair so i think by keeping her off screen they're kind of keeping that moral nuance out of play here and it played more like a rom-com like it played a little bit more straight romantic not entirely because there was some weird music in there but it played a little bit more straight romantic with the moments between Charles and Diana. Like they felt less dilute, not <laughs> negative diluted with Camilla in there. Like they haven't quite brought in all the layers yet that I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. I, I, I do wonder whether having one scene with Camilla in the beginning that reinforces like the, the strength of their relationship would have played like as a necessary save the cat scene. Cause I imagine, you know, from here on out, there's going to be uh, a lot of drama and we saw some of it in uh, that movie, uh, whatever it's called uh, um, where, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of friction between Charles and Diana and Camilla. And especially if, you know, in cases like this where, like, I didn't just see, you know, those season three episodes, you know, a few days or, or within the past couple weeks ago, you know, maybe it actually would have would have served the function to have that scene and kind of reinforce the notion of like, oh, this is his true love. Because now, with, with without her actually being absent, it, it, it kind of feels like an ex that he's still hung up on, even though I think the show infers that she's very much still part of his life.
0: Yeah, I kind of side with Ivan. I felt like I obviously don't need this to be a recreation of whatever love means. I don't need Camilla to be there throughout the whole episode, but... Um, I'm, I just like the the differences that we saw between these two pieces of content were enough to confuse me a little bit about what the truth actually was. And I think we can kind of work through these scenarios. But I think to start off with, I did think it was fun that we see everybody at lunch except for Charles gossiping about Charles's dating life, which we saw in Whatever Love Means, uh, including Peggy Guinness <laughs> yeah. played by. Haley atwell Haley atwell her name wasn't actually mm-hmm. peggy guinness misspelled. i put peggy i put peggy carter guinness because but that's definitely not right <laughs> Haley atwell <laughs> that's close enough hey, close enough but yeah it was fun seeing uh the family just gossip about charles
2: i want to know about this borgia like what what are the <laughs> borgias doing in the 20th century
1: <laughs> And I will say this, though, like whatever love means did fill in some gaps like that, that movie fleshed out like a lot of what happened in between the end of season three and the start of season four, because I think only maybe like the what the last 20 ish minutes of that movie, like surpassed the end of season three, Uh. or like what we we had, or, or like her had surpassed like, what would have been the start of season four.
2: Yeah, I can only think of one scene that was the same, and it's that Diana at the horse races, like, scene. That's the only one I remember. that was, like, they had, like, the exact same scene play twice. Otherwise, it felt like it was all stuff before.
1: Wait, did that play out exactly the same way? I thought...
2: Pretty much. In this one, Diana stopped a car.
1: Yeah, but but in in whatever love means, which we really should not be spending too much time talking about right now, (laughs) but I remember, like, them being uh, set up, like, to meet... Rather than yes. it just kinda of happening by pure accident.
2: Oh yeah. So that's what we'll never know. I'm I'm on the I'm on the team but I don't think Camilla actually set them up, but whatever, y'all. I don't know.
1: All right. Let's talk about the Emmy Award winning series The Crown.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Well that. I just wanna there were a couple so there were a couple um, scenes that were the same. There no. was <laughs> Damn. There was Charles so Charles and Dickie having a conversation about not sowing his wild oats, even though it was what he previously uh, had told Charles to do, was the same. Yeah. Terrible timing. I th- Like, do we believe that? Okay. I guess we have to believe this because it's the premise of The Crown. But just like the timing of them having that conversation and then Dickie writing one last letter that's so... <laughs> reprimand, Like, it just reprimands Charles so hard. That's crazy timing, if that is correct.
2: I hope it's correct. If not, it was very good writing. I bought it. It felt like the it felt like if he hadn't if it wasn't for the Irish, Harry and uh, William wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be here today
0: because of
1: that one letter.
2: Yeah. Think about it. Like it cascaded into all of this happening. Like that's wild.
0: Mm -hmm. So I hope it's true.
1: We also saw Charles. Kristen Stewart might not have a career anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We also saw Charles become the fishing expert that he seemed to have been in that movie. Yeah, he really liked fishing. That whole there's so much to talk about. I, okay, I'll stay on. I'll stay on Charles for the moment because we meet Diana here for the first time. Uh, we've seen now a couple different versions of Diana. Speaking of Kristen Stewart, how do we feel about the introduction of Emma Corrin as Diana?
2: Perfect, wonderful, best one yet. Uh, no notes.
1: I mean, it was for 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 the sake of the narrative of the show, it was really well done.
0: The
2: Crown knows how to cast.
1: What was interesting that we haven't really
0: gotten in, um, maybe like the previous versions of Diana that we've seen, and it's, it's I think, like it's because we've seen her at like different places in her life. But just like that house that like she and Sarah live in, enormous. Is that bigger mm-hmm. than Buckingham Palace? Like they must have so much, just like generational wealth.
1: Well, oh, and yeah. that's that's presumably the house that she goes back to in the movie Spencer, right? Yeah, the I one think that's so. all yeah, boarded up and moment. abandoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. cool.
2: I, yeah. I, they obviously they didn't intend that, but that is kind of cool to be able to see that. If you've seen both,
0: definitely pieces of
2: media. But yeah, um, definitely some generational wealth there. Yeah. Very, very clearly so.
0: And we see Diana. She's still in school. So when she and Charles meet, how old are we, is she? Like seventeen, sixteen at that time? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. She's in a costume for a Midsummer Night's Dream, and Sarah's told her don't interrupt us (laughs) you don't be seen just hide uh and she comes out and she decides that instead of just running through she's going to make it as awkward as possible by hiding behind the plants that have been situated in this like foyer
2: you know is it a good plan no does it work (laughs) yes
1: is it common to situate plants like that in like a hallway
2: I don't, I, we don't live there. I don't know. Has anyone been to any estates? If you
1: have the
0: space and the money, why not situate some plants (laughs) thusly?
2: I had thought those were kind of like columns
1: with plants. Yeah, yeah, kind of. It like, it almost felt like you were in like, uh, you know, a Legend of Zelda-esque boss battle where the boss is going to like shoot at you. So you have to hide behind the columns and then (laughs) that ends up like, you know, protecting you.
0: Did Di- go. did Diana's costume
1: uh, also feed
0: into the Zelda comparison?
1: <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but yes.
0: Um, yeah, so she's dressed for a Midsummer Night's Dream. No better way to connect with Charles than to talk about the theater.
2: Do you think she did research or not beforehand?
0: Oh, did she prep for this meeting? You don't think it was yeah, as spontaneous? That's
2: what, that's what Sarah was implying, that Diana like orchestrated this.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. She, she, well, she said that she, like, she made a reference to Diana being, like, really keen to meet Charles.
2: Yeah, I mean, I bet it was something where, like, that was actually an interest of hers, and then, I don't know, maybe she knew that, or she got lucky. Either way. So
1: so she has this, like, fan-like obsession with Charles from the onset. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that whatever happens from here on out, it's on her.
0: How old is Charles at this point? Do we know? He's, like, 30. He's, like, 30.
2: He's like 20, 20, 28.
0: Okay,
2: he's, he's older than her, man, by a large amount.
0: Yes, um, I
2: like this episode. It seems to have a really strong point of view, and the point of view is go Irish and um, Diana run. It's and, really and, given and, those five. And,
1: and women are unfit for leadership.
2: Oh no, I think they're making fun of Thatcher. Hundred percent. Like, do you not know oh, yeah. think that Thatcher's hilarious? I just find oh, her yeah. so funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about her. Yes. So Margaret Thatcher. Uh, First woman prime minister in the history of the United Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, performance, uh, presence, like, uh, what what do we think? Oh, my God.
2: Jillian Anderson, like, I mean, I think that all the newcomers are just, like, really sinking into these iconic, not characters, but, like, people in history so well. And Margaret Thatcher, oh, my God. Like, can you imagine listening to that woman talk for more than, like, 10 minutes straight? Like just, the, it's incredible. Like you would watch her do it, but you'd be in so much pain while doing it, and her eye was twitching sometimes. Like
0: <laughs> wow, everything that she did was hilarious to me. The way that she like kind of like curtsied slash bowed when she first met Elizabeth, and her nose like touched the that floor. <laughs> um it was hilarious and i thought that it was also funny like the way that it seemed like liz was also nervous to meet her because like before the meeting you saw her like straightening things in the room and like making sure that everything was good before she pressed the button um i think it's going to be fun seeing that didn't do that for
1: mcmillan no absolutely not no
2: (laughs) i mean i think it's it's interesting because like elizabeth wasn't obviously the first like woman queen but, like, she was kind of still, like, a trailblazer in, like, the modern age in a way. But then I think it must be so interesting to be like, wow, like, this is the first woman prime minister. And, like, I wonder if that means something to her.
1: Mm-hmm. That, like, we oh, might it definitely never get does. it, forward,
2: but that's, that's just cool.
1: She was excited about it, like, from from when the news was first announced. Like, this this was big for her.
2: Yeah. So, I think it's fun to have, like, a situation where the power imbalance isn't so drastic. Like, that Liz is a little on her toes, too.
1: I am curious about one thing, though. Uh, so the the little game that Elizabeth plays, where she guests the prime minister's cabinet mm-hmm. um, uh, while they're forming the parliament. So that's interesting because you know it, it's played uh, you know kind of for for giggles here, but we've never seen her do that in the past with any of the other prime ministers when they came into office. And like, I- I'm wondering because she says that. Like her best uh, performance was uh, for like Harold Wilson's second cabinet. So, did she just like have Harold Wilson tell her, hey, I have Alzheimer's? And then she went back to. Like, her bedroom was like, all right, let me see if I can get this straight. Oh my, God. oh, my God. I hadn't thought about that. That's
2: so terrible. I was just thinking, like, wow, look at her character progression that someone called her smart.
0: Yeah, I was kind of viewing I think it. Thatcher <laughs> called her,
2: like, a smart cookie.
0: Yeah. And
2: I was like, wow, someone's acknowledging her brains.
0: Yeah, I was just kind of viewing it in the terms of, like, she's now seen, what, like, at least 10 prime ministers She's finally settling in yeah. and she's like, okay, I've been here long enough where I I probably know more than you. Um, yeah. And she's confident yeah. enough to just kind of like project that in the in the room with Margaret Thatcher. And maybe she, maybe, I don't know if this is the case because I feel like she's gotten on with not all, but maybe like half of the prime ministers, but it felt like she was already kind of like more comfortable with Margaret Thatcher. Maybe because she was excited to see, like, a woman prime minister, but it kind of felt like she felt some kind of, like, kindred spirit sense in a way that she hadn't with some of the previous prime ministers.
2: I mean, they might be a similar age, too. Yeah. Like, it'd be like if you had to, like, sit in a room, like, co-working with a bunch of, like, old people, and then suddenly they give you, like, a peer, and you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> well,
1: and 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 not for nothing, but she's also probably stoked that the Tories are back in power. True, that too.
2: I thought about that and it kind of upset me.
1: Although she liked
0: Wilson, in fairness, um, was Wilson the last yeah, prime minister? But I think had like, a soft
2: spot for the
1: Tories.
0: Do we know if it's like if this is directly picking up from where we left off last season? I
1: don't think so. It's it's kind of hard to tell. Like they, I don't think this episode featured any kind of like uh, you know title card telling us what year it was, and I mm. don't at the top of my head remember where we left off somewhere yeah. in like the late 70s yeah i are um,
0: in the 80s now but yeah i thought that margaret thatcher was fun her responses i think to the ira i think mean, this is where you get into trouble with margaret thatcher a little bit i mean you got into trouble when she was
2: saying that she wouldn't have a woman in cabinet because they're too emotional it's like margaret- that's true too but no no yeah it, i think it i thought it was kind of fun like it was horrible it was kind of funny how she was just like you know, like rain hellfire upon these people as Liz was like kind of listening in horror. (laughs) But it was her family member who got killed. She's like, oh, yeah, you you know, we don't have to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I think between the beginning and the end of this episode, Liz went from like excited about Margaret Thatcher to somewhere between cautiously optimistic and nervous.
2: But she'll be a fun prime minister. I think she'll make an impact in some way.
1: I think she'll be a fun character for sure.
0: Man, should we talk about this Anne storyline a little bit more? Like, what is this? Why is this? <laughs> Why is this I mean, here?
2: It was a nice two scene arc. <laughs> it was like I think it was. I actually was interested. Like I was invested during the little horse competition, but it didn't feel. I wish they had set this up in last season when I feel like they had room. Yeah to give like Anne's emotional storyline, not necessarily the horses that we don't need more horses.
1: I watched this episode twice. Um, and Carlin, you were actually with me in person the first time. Yeah, I did. The first I watched time it twice too. Yeah. yeah. So it was the fir- first time uh, you and I got to uh, sit down and watch a crown episode together, which was great. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I went back and, you know, rewatched it a little closer to this recording. And uh, I, I don't think I said this the first time, but uh, at the conclusion of Anne's little like performance, I just, you know, said out loud to my wife, like, I-, I cannot think of a sport that's less exciting to watch than what I just witnessed.
2: <laughs> I See, I think I was invested in and to where I was excited about it. And granted, I don't know how you lose. Like, is it if the horse doesn't clear the fence?
1: Uh, Yeah, it seems yeah. very
2: binary.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so.
2: I, I don't know where. No, you know what? I was talking to people who do this kind of horse stuff, and I guess they literally get judged on, like, if your shoe fits right and if your horse is really pretty and like it's that's where a lot of the points come from. I what? guess this is like, rich I people mean, horse game. I, yeah,
1: I get it. I get it. Like there's probably like a lot of like subtlety and craftsmanship and mechanisms to it. But like this is like the ultimate like, uh, you know, we got to eat the rich sport. Like th- this is the kind of nonsense that makes you go like uh, these aren't human beings. They're just kind of in their own like living in the clouds somewhere.
2: All right. We're going to get a <laughs> bunch of horse girls. who are going to get mad at you, Ivan.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Is she officially, like, an
0: Olympian? Like, she went to the Olympics for this? Or, like, she was just training to go I to guess. the Olympics for
1: this?
2: I think she's actually more impressive than Charles, but we'll just never see that. Philip's right. Philip's right to choose this kid. But also the the contrast.
1: What is the name of the sport?
2: Um, Hunter a riding formal name. or something like that?
1: Hunter riding?
2: I think in a, if you Google, like, horse jumping hunter style or something like that. I don't know. I wasn't paying enough attention to this conversation I was having.
1: Okay, but um, so so here's the thing, Carlin, you just said that like this makes her more impressive than Charles, but like Yeah. what 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 the hell is been. hunter riding? Like 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 <laughs> I, be honest. Like be <laughs> be, honest. be honest. Be honest. <laughs> be honest. Would you rather would you rather five yeah. uh, would you rather find $5 on the ground or have your local hunter riding team win a championship?
2: look would i rather have the five dollars yes but apparently to other people this is really impressive
1: okay and i don't think charles does hold on hold on hold on let me ask you another question would you rather find one dollar on the ground or have your local hunter riding team win a championship
0: Do I get anything if the hunter team wins? Yeah. Oh, well, no. Counter counter question. What's the name of your local hunter rider team?
2: I didn't say I know where these people <laughs> are. I think they're in like I was in Canada when they were talking about what, this. What is, I think this might be a,
0: What is their mascot? I don't
2: know, guys. You know what? I think my local riding, it used to be in Palace Verdes, because I lived in Manhattan Beach, but we don't need to talk about this. Oh wait, you actually <laughs> know.
0: Wait, you actually know that you have one. I was just saying hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, so this, <laughs> this this makes this hypothetical scenario even better. Okay, so I will pose you this question now. <laughs> Would you rather find a quarter on the ground than have your local hunter riding team <laughs> win a championship? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, the carnival? I'll take, take five cents. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I want to go to that carnival, guys. That, like, that was going on during the, during the entire Anne thing. And I also want to know what Diana was doing there. Like,
0: it's,
2: how did she get there? She's yeah, 18, who gave her I guess ride. she can drive. <laughs> <laughs> did she set this up? <laughs> how did she know Charles
0: was going to be there? Probably because of Anne. And did you like how she just, she like, just walked like, oh, right... Oh. In, she also just walked right in front of his car. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> Can you stop for a second? She there? held up this traffic. A little
2: 18-year-old, okay? And we should emphasize that she's 18 years old. She lives with four people in a flat.
1: I did not make it a point to hold up traffic when I was 18.
2: We saw her house. She probably cares about the local hunting riding team. Actually, she probably doesn't.
1: Anyway, I'll take the nickel.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> Good luck with your nickel. Speaking of uh, hunter riders, we see a, a little bit of a hunting montage uh here where we you. see good segue I hate the montages <laughs> thank you i don't even know um, if that's what
2: it's called guys it called this at all
0: <laughs> yeah so we see charles fishing we see dickie and his family going lobster fishing speaking of is this dickie's granddaughter that we see here as well is she an adult yeah i was here so be, he's yeah. there
2: then yeah probably
0: um, this is the person that, in whatever love means, he wanted Charles to be set up with. Oh, really? I so. Is yeah, it? I'm not sure, maybe. because it was a, it's something that came up in the movie that never came up here,
1: so I assume we're just not going to address it. We're not going to talk about the incest in this show.
2: <laughs> they can't relate it back to Game of Thrones, so they couldn't risk having that parallel be drawn so close to Dickie's death, where we would just be like making toilet jokes instead of paying attention to how mm. the IRA killed him. But the lobsters won. Did we see that? Did we see the lobsters live? So I saw the lobsters live.
0: Oh, you mean in the show? Yes.
2: Yeah, like the show. when the boat
0: exploded, <laughs> did they go back to the sea is what you're saying?
2: They, no, they were back in the sea before the boat exploded. Oh, I think they, right. they went back, right? The lobsters lived.
0: Usually with lobsters, there's like a size that they need to be or you have to throw them back. Because if they're too small, then oh, okay. like you need like to catch an adult lobster if you catch a child lobster, then it's like you need to throw it back so that it can have more lobsters.
2: Those lobsters, those teen lobsters got to live. Guess what? Teen lobster is not going to just be able to live. Diana. The,
0: oh, that's not where nice. I thought you were going. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> what did you...
1: I don't know. Carlin, I thought, what was that?
0: I thought I thought you were going to say something in connection to like the Dicky scene that we were talking about, but you just pivoted right no. back to Diana.
2: <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna Dicky. Yeah, he died. Uh, d- yes. but I'm surprised that not everyone died. It was like really specifically like he died. Yeah, that's God telling you something.
0: Yes. Uh, so we see these assassins following Dicky. Uh, they're just kind of watching. We never see them like plant the bomb. We don't really know how they know that that's Dicky's boat, but it happens, and then they just drive away. It was kind of like they were the least entertaining assassins I've ever seen. Well,
2: they're getting the job
0: done.
1: I wasn't even sure, like at the beginning of that scene, whether they were the the assassins or like his security detail that was just like tailing him.
2: Well, what if that was the point? What if they thought it was security detail and that's why they were like not caring about them?
1: Oh yeah. I don't you know.
2: Go. I like the Irish. Like I said, they're getting things done. Look at them. <laughs> uh
0: okay, so then after Dickie dies, we have this letter that he's written to Charles, and it's basically like, Charles, you know, y- you can't do this. You you can't just have an affair. You need to find someone who I- is a nobody, and you'll be king, and this is what you need to do, and I am Dickie, and you have to do it now because I died.
1: Well, he also connected it back to David, <laughs> saying, like, the last time, like, you know, the Prince of Wales, like, Cons- you know, became interested in a already married woman, the, the entire country nearly fell apart. Mm-hmm. Please don't do that again. Yes.
2: They have to notice that this keeps happening to them.
1: I mean, I will say fair point, right? I
2: think it's a fair point. Charles could have abdicated at any time if he just wanted to be with Camilla. Like, he chose this. Honestly, I respect David Moore. Like, you know, he was just like, bye, guys. Yeah, Not really because he's a Nazi, <sighs> but...
0: If this had just been a letter and Dickie had not died, though, would it hold the same weight for Charles? Does Dickie need to die for this letter to have any meaning?
1: Uh, probably not. Probably not. Beca- or like, uh, Sorry. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, I, yeah, I think the letter has meaning because of his death. Because otherwise it would have just been an extension of the conversation that they had just had on the phone um, where Dickie made his case very clear and you know he he's now bringing in some like you know trying to draw parallels to like david and such and that you know he's fleshing out his argument more but i think charles's response was already pretty solidified it was basically like you know screw off uncle dicky like you're you're just like the rest of them
2: yeah i have to agree with that
1: um and this
0: leads us to the conversation uh we talked a little bit about earlier between charles and his father philip um, and Philip is just, he's salty and jealous because in Dickie's 500-page instructions for his funeral, he wants Charles to do the reading. And so Phil feels like he's been replaced uh, as Dickie's surrogate son. I, honestly, I, I don't really feel that bad for him. He's been kind of a bad father, but he seems unaware of this fact.
2: yeah is kind of what like the way he was like you have a father like
1: <laughs> and charles is like does
2: he <laughs> what have you done and he's also a bad son to dicky or a nephew whatever they are like I, clearly this happened for a reason
1: yeah sorry but let's, let's keep in mind like in this scene both of them are in mourning like they are their minds aren't working straight
2: yeah i i think that's his true feeling i just felt so bad for charles like them setting up him being like emotionally punched, like over and over and over again, up until the Diana scene, like it worked so well because you're like, wow, sorry, like Charles, this sucks. <laughs> and it, it feels like you could feel this has just been happening to him probably since um that school he had to go to that episode.
1: Yeah, really, yeah it mean, he was he's... also not valued. He'd... He's a bit of a, a tragic character, and uh, now his, like, already difficult life is going to be further complicated by this rabid fangirl.
2: <laughs> don't, don't blame Diana for this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ivan, you're, you're right about what we saw in Whatever Love Means, because in Whatever Love Means, Camilla vows to uh, set Charles up with someone, and they go through, like, a series of women until they meet Diana. So they basically give Camilla credit for the whole Charles and Diana situation. Which we didn't get here. We just saw her kind of meet meet Charles at the horse,
1: the hunter rider track.
2: Don't buy it. I don't. I don't believe whatever love means.
1: So, one one thing that they completely gloss over is like why didn't things work out with uh, Charles and uh, Sarah Spencer? Unclear. Because like he he seemed into her, or I mean, at least like casually, um, and the family was into it. So like, where was you know the 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 pressure to kind of tie that down i wonder
0: it does when charles calls sarah sarah is getting married to somebody so clearly sarah has moved on is this the decorum if you want to date someone's sister who you have dated in the past you need to you need to phone call and make sure that it's okay
2: i mean i guess it's nice that he did that but also he clearly didn't care if sarah said (laughs) yes or not (laughs)
1: Well, he wasn't asking for permission. He was asking for information. I mean, yes, he did ask her, like, do you mind if I reach out? But, like, he he was just there to get some intel.
2: I think it's really, it's interesting because you don't see him as a very confident person. But that was such a ballsy move. Like, I kind of was like, go Charles. <laughs> like-
0: yeah. Sarah seems to disapprove, but she also feels, it also seems like she doesn't want to say anything because of Charles's position. She feels like she's in a tough spot.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably not easy to say no to the Prince of Wales when you live in yeah, England.
0: that too. Yeah. But she tells Charles that, Di- so Diana is 18 now. She doesn't really have a job. She works part-time at a kindergarten,
1: and she also is Sarah's cleaning lady. That's
2: a job. These people are so
0: pretentious. That's a job.
1: Like, she, she's not the Minister of Defense, therefore she's <laughs> unemployed.
0: Yeah, but she, so she's part-time at a kindergarten because she, does she not, so I guess she doesn't go, she didn't go to school, so she can't be a real teacher, so she's just a helper.
2: She's like a teacher's aide.
0: And also we learn that people in the family call her Dutch because she's always acted like uh, she was destined for greater things, and that's what Sarah shares with Charles. And Charles is like that into it. That just
2: reminds me of like <laughs> Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Like, when <laughs> you go singing on a mountain, like, I hate this town. I'm going to get out.
1: Wait, but but explain it to me. Like, why why does Dutch imply that? Uh, it sounds like um, a short it's short for duchess. Like duchess. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> oh, okay.
2: Yeah, like future Duchess type.
1: Right. I, I, I thought you were talking about the Netherlands. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> That's the opposite. Pe- like, people in the Netherlands, they just want to be average. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You Dutch people.
0: No, uh, short for Duchess, clearly. And Charles, you know what? I, is clearly. There anything, is there anything Sarah could have it's said where Charles would be like, no, that I'm out? Or is he like, is this all just like confirmation bias at this point? I think he
2: would have listened to literally anything. Because at this point, it's like, oh, this looks like a virgin. I'll take her.
1: <laughs> like... Oh, I think
2: he was just already like, I like this one. She said no, a nice no. thing to me on a racetrack once.
1: No, no, no. She knows I,
2: what a play I, is.
1: I think Sarah probably could have potentially scared off Charles if she had said, "Oh, you want to know about my sister? She was recently deflowered by Andrew Parker Bowles."
2: <laughs> just lied about that.
1: that She's not been that it.
2: smart. She she could have known.
1: Sarah could have saved and Char- Charles would have been yeah. like, damn it, I lost another one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> another one to Andrew Parker Bowles.
0: Oh, man. So, yeah, and then we, we end the episode on Charles kind of swinging by Diana's place. She calls him your Royal Highness, and he's into it. And, uh, yeah, season four. Let's go.
2: <laughs> Yay.
0: Uh, anything we missed here? in the premiere episode of season four. How, uh, and how do we think this ranked compared to the other premieres?
2: I really like this. That a oh, lot this happened.
1: Was, this was great. Like this was probably one of like the most well-crafted crown episodes. Again, again like they, yeah. they use the ensemble cast just perfectly here. Like uh, uh, setting Margaret aside, hopefully we get more <laughs> for, you know, in an episode or two, but uh, yeah, like I, I, like, I I agree with uh I, I forget who, which of you two said it, but kind of the shift uh in like Charles now kind of being the name uh, the, the main character was pretty apparent here. But nevertheless, like it, it still felt like every other character had at least, you know, one or two moments to shine. And like they, they juggled a lot here between the assassination of uh, you know, Dickie, all the Charles and Camilla and Diana stuff, uh Margaret Thatcher. Like this episode just like accomplished a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was definitely one of the more well-balanced uh premieres that we got. I would say this probably along with like the the like series premiere, definitely top 2. Definitely like top half of the four <laughs> that
1: we've seen so far. I think yeah, it's I my mean, favorite one. I mean, last season's like uh, just started with such a sleeper of an episode that I feel like even even just in comparison like this one was a triumph.
0: Yeah, and in season two, we had the whole like flashback scenario, which we were kind of like, why are they using this strategy, this narrative structure? Mm -hmm. So it's been a minute, but uh, as always, we like to identify any kinky moments that we saw in the episode. And since this is Netflix, uh, they don't slouch when it comes to kinky moments. That brings us to our next segment, the Kinky Crown Award. Carlin, uh, did you have any nominees this week? for the kinky crown award
2: it's so bad how much i wasn't thinking of that but the moment where philip got so mad at dickie about sewing the oats i just thought that was funny like we added another man into charles's sex life
1: (laughs) what no no
2: (laughs) there wasn't that much this episode
1: yeah but uh, but no that's that's not the solution (laughs)
2: that is the solution i'll keep thinking but go ahead sam
1: okay
0: i thought that uh you know diana coming out wearing only vines and charles being into it that was kind of a kinky moment all right
1: i've got one and i think this this might be the in in a in a like crazy twist i think i might have the only legitimate one here oh okay Okay. please share the comment that sarah made about uh how all of the uh, school children's dads like Diana.
2: Oh, that's pretty straightforward, but okay. Uh,
1: and she's probably not wrong. <laughs> Meaning there's actually something there?
0: Uh, no. Well, not there, but well, uh, you know what? I'm just going to leave it.
2: <laughs> sure.
1: All right. Well, sure. this has been our final ever Kinky Crown Award. Wait, this wait, wait. What, just of, didn't what about? Have
2: anything. This is a love triangle season. There's going to be more.
0: Was there any sapphic energy between Margaret Thatcher and Queen Elizabeth?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. But um, my actual pairing doesn't actually show up <laughs> until later. So.
1: Oh, until later? Okay. That'll,
2: that'll come up later.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, Sam, what was your nomination? Vines? Yeah,
0: Diana's Midsummer Night's Dream costume.
2: I'm going to change mine to Thatcher and uh, Liz. I like that.
1: <laughs> I'll vote for the Vines. Ivan, I was going to vote for yours. <laughs> all right i'll vote for mine as well okay uh the 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 teacher porn fantasy there sure teachers
2: aid porn fantasy
1: teachers aid porn fantasy
2: (laughs) of an 18 year old girl
1: all right uh cool so that's uh the
0: crown season four episode one any any final thoughts here
1: uh on the premiere here Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to just, like, shit-talking Diana all season and having Carlin get riled up.
2: (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Terrible.
0: Uh, (laughs) all right. Um, okay, so next week, we'll be back, and we're just gonna keep steamrolling ahead. We're gonna talk about The Crown Season 4, Episode 2, entitled The Balmoral Test. In this episode, Margaret Thatcher visits Balmoral but has trouble fitting in with the Royal family and Charles will find himself torn between his heart and family duty. Uh, What else is new with Charles (laughs) cheese? So that's, (laughs) so that's what you can look forward to next week here on crowning around. Uh, In the meantime, Ivan, if people want to catch up with you on social media and get your thoughts on the crown
1: or the averageness of the Netherlands, uh, where can they do that? At the nineteen seventy nine badminton horse trials. <laughs> All right, uh, Carlin, what about you?
2: Um, Twitter at Carlin Greenwald, Instagram at Carlin underscore G E E.
0: All right, you can find me on Twitter at Sir Sam Chung. But the best place to reach us, if you have any thoughts or, or comments or concerns or uh, anything like that about the crown or the royal family that we can't answer, is on Twitter at Crown Around Pod. And in the meantime, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. And God save the Queen. God save the save the Queen.